0: You're listening to The Touch of Flavor Podcast, episode 88.
1: You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives.
0: You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana.
1: It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is The Touch of Flavor Podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for
0: kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world.
1: And now your hosts, Cassie
0: and Rigel. Hello, everyone. Happy 2020. So... We're going to hop on and talk with you about the 10 things that we learned here at Touch of Flavor in 2019 that every poly person should know to build amazing relationships, right? So you can learn from what we learned and kind of hack your own relationships and and make them better. I just want to point out that we reference a lot of resources in this episode, a lot of links to other things that if they ring to you, if there's something that sounds like you might want to learn more about, you might want to check those links out. So you can find the links to the other resources that we mention in the show notes at atouchaflavor.com forward slash zero eight eight.
1: A lot of times one of the things you'll see, especially with experts or gurus and things like that, is like this idea that we know everything and we have all of the answers. And the thing is, is like we have a lot of the answers. But one thing that makes an amazing expert is the ability to learn. And the cool thing is, is that because of what we do, because we get to work with people every day on their non-monogamous relationships and help them build great things as far as their connections, we get to do that every day. And we do that with our clients, we do that with the calls that we do, the hundreds of people that we get to interact with through calls and our uh, classes that we do, going to conferences. Um, our coaching clients. <laughs> and and specifically our coaching clients. But we get to interact with folks every day. And that gives us a great opportunity to learn.
0: I just want to like, it drives me nuts when people are like, oh, you know, I'm an expert. I know all the things. I'm like, really? Because like, because we do this so much, because all day, every day, we're coaching people on how to build better relationships. Like, I learn way more new shit than I would just being myself at polyamorous, right? So it makes no sense. So... Yeah. sorry. I just, that bugs, that bugs the piss out of me. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) So today what we're going to do is we're actually going to share with you 10 things that we've learned in this past year that every non-monogamous person should know. Uh, We're going to go through those and I'm super excited. Anything else you want to add to that? No.
0: So you get to use what we've learned through a year working with hundreds of poly people to hack your relationships so that they're better in 2020. So that's why we're so excited about this. All right. So 10 things, let's start with the first. And a lot of these, by the way, are things that we have actually learned in this last year. And some of them are things that we kind of knew, but then really actually learned this year, right? Uh, Blatantly learned. Yeah, really like blatantly, (laughs) like in our face learned. So the first thing, and this is one of those things that is new, brand new, um, is that one person can change a relationship. So this is actually a big realization for us from last year. Last year when we were talking to people and, you know, we get people who came to us, they're like, hey, my relationship's bad. Like, you know, I don't like where we're at. Like, I, I'm trying to fix things. We'd say, hey, okay, that's great. Go talk to your partner and see what they're willing to do. See if they're willing to do this. Like, are they willing to work with you? Are they willing to, you know, and specifically people we were talking about helping them, like, are they willing to to do coaching with you? Right? Are they willing to work hand in hand and do everything with you to improve the relationships? And what we've we've learned over this past year is that that is not a lot of times the best way to do things. We have had a ton of clients over this past year who have made the decision on their own to step up, you know, to come in to work with us, to start working on fixing their relationships. And, and they've, they've done it and they've done amazing. And, you know, this is actually something we're going to probably do, Uh, more detail on at some point, but we wanted to put it out because it's really surprised us. A lot of times people ask, like, like, why, right? Like, why would it be the case that, you know, I want to work on the relationship more than you? And, And why is that okay? And the fact of the matter is there's always one partner, whether it's a dyad, whether it's a group, there's always one partner who is the most motivated to fix a relationship. And there can be a lot of reasons that they're not just the most motivated, but they're the only one who's willing to do a lot of work. A lot of times that happens because maybe one partner is just like almost tapped out at this point. Or maybe they've done a shit ton of work and they haven't gotten any return out of it in the past, right? Like they feel like they've been the one doing all the work and nothing's changed. Or they just don't think that like anything can help at this point.
1: Yeah, and sometimes maybe there's stuff that's been going on with the individual more so than just the couple. Like I have some things that I really need to work on that will improve a lot of things in our relationship. Not to say that my partner can't improve either, but like maybe I have jealousy or I have things that I need to work through myself that doing that would improve our relationship.
0: Yeah. And what we found with this, right, is that, um, you know, uh, so whereas like if, if you're insisting that both people have to work to change something, have to like be willing to do the same amount of work, like where a lot of people can't do that, like a lot of relationships can't take that because both people aren't willing to do the same amount of work. Like what we found is that uh, one person can really transform a relationship. And when we, we bring people in, when we bring in one person, what we've seen is that like one of two things happens. Uh, the vast majority of the time, like 90, 95% of the time,
1: Most like of almost the time. everybody,
0: <laughs> uh, the partner winds up stepping up to some extent. Like either they, they see that stuff works and they start taking some steps themselves, like maybe not doing all the work, maybe not doing everything you're willing to do, but they're willing to start doing enough, right? Or a lot of times we have it where, you know, that other partner who was like, hell no, like sees stuff working in the relationship and it's like, you know what? I want to do that too. And they actually wind up you know, starting to work with us, whereas, you know, at the beginning, they weren't willing at all. Um, maybe like 5% of the time, the, the person doesn't rise to that level. Right. And, and the partner, you know, realizes that, Hey, like maybe this isn't a relationship for me. Like I'm, you know, I'm, uh, how do you want to phrase this?
1: That maybe this relationship isn't serving the two of us. And regardless of the work that I'm doing, it's not going to serve us.
0: But that's like almost never, which has shocked us. I think that probably maybe a quarter of the clients who have come through this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe a quarter of the clients that have come through this year have, you know, made that decision themselves. And in every single case, their partner's either decided to, you know, like I said, step up and do some work with them or actually do everything with them. And that has been fantastic. The
1: majority has been everything, actually.
0: And the really interesting thing on our end is that sometimes it's actually better for one person to do the work than to try and for them to try and get the other person to do everything with them. Because what happens sometimes, go ahead.
1: Nanner nanner nanner. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. So I'm not going to do what I need to do.
0: That thing right there. Right. (laughs) So, wow. Nanner nanner. That's exactly why. Right. So, so what does it take for that? And it's really simple. Like when we're talking to people and they're like, Hey, like, I want to do this. Right. Even though my partner isn't ready right now, we're like, hey, that's great. It'll work. Are you ready to step up? Like, are you ready to step up and do the extra work and be the person who takes this back and does what you need to do to make it happen? And the people who say yes to that, they do fantastic. So that's the first thing we've learned this year. One person can totally change a relationship. The second one, Cassie?
1: Silence isn't always golden.
0: Silence isn't always golden. Well...
1: If it's in a scene, yes. But uh, as far as in your relationship, silence is not always golden.
0: And folks, some of these things that we, we may have other resources on, we'll link to later.
1: This is something we've always known, right? Like this was one of those ones that became very blatant over the last year. We've had folks that we've talked to who they say, oh, we haven't been screaming. We haven't been yelling. We haven't really been getting into nasty arguments. Things
0: are a little bad.
1: Things are a little bad, right? And we have these conversations with them, and we find out that poof, like someone just leaves, right? Someone's just done, tapped out, gone. And it's not that earthquake that you expect, right? Like when we see people fighting all the time, when we see people, you know, sending off the nasty texts and, you know, crying and and all of that, we go, oh, yeah, they're headed for a breakup. But for some folks, it doesn't look like that. For some folks, it looks like we're just not really talking to each other. We're not really spending time around each other. And a lot of times those relationships, because of that, have escalated to a point where you don't know when that little trigger is and it just happens.
0: Yeah, this is a super dangerous thing. And we, we've told a couple stories about this earlier this year. Right. But like, you know, people we've talked to who are, who we're talking to and they're like, yeah, like, you know, like we just we just haven't talked about this this for months. But, you know, things things are mostly okay. We're not yelling, right? Because we all have that image of like a bad relationship is yelling. But the fact of the matter is sometimes when things are silent, they're silent because we're not having those conversations, right? Like we have things that are unresolved. And when we have things that are unresolved, we have people's needs that aren't getting met. And eventually somebody gets tired of not having their needs met. And it's just like, adios. That is something that has really been made very, very plain to us over the last year is that relationships where things aren't messy where they're quiet can be just as bad uh, in a lot of ways and just as close to ending as relationships where people are screaming every day and if you want to learn more about that because you know if that's sounding to you like hey wait a minute like our relationship's quiet like what what uh, is that something to be concerned about uh, i will put a link to something where we talk more about that uh, in the notes for this because uh, you really should, should take a listen to that, right? Because that's really, really insidious uh, sometimes for people where they don't realize what's going on. The next one is the importance of stories. Some of these things that we're talking about uh, come directly from working with our clients, and this is one of them. And, you know, we did a training earlier this year where we actually put some of this in, but then people didn't like that training as much. So this actually isn't really floating around as much right now. Not because of this part, just on a whole, the whole thing didn't, just people didn't like it as much as the, <laughs> the first version that we'd done. So when we have a problem in our relationship as, as anybody, right, we, we like to look for tactics. And especially polyamorous folks. I love to say that, that polyamorous folks, we love our tools. We're always looking for a tool. Right. Like, what's the communication pattern I can use in this argument or, you know, what's the checklist I can use to make this agreement or. Is there know, a
1: workbook for that?
0: Is there a workbook <laughs> for that? Or what's the best calendar app? Right. To make sure everybody's getting their needs met. And like tools are great. We love tools. Tools are fantastic um, and they're necessary. Right. But they're not always as important as you think. Uh, what's more important than, than the specific tools that we're using on a base level is the way that we think about our partners in our relationships, and this is something that we talk to people about a lot. And you know, an example that I like to use is this. Um, to shorten this up, way way up, is you know, say that my partner's out with with you know another partner, and they don't text me, right? They're supposed to text me, and they don't. There's a lot of stories I can tell myself about that, right? I can tell myself that um, you know, like that, uh, you know, maybe they got busy right? Maybe something happened, right? Maybe their phone died or maybe, you know, maybe they, they just forgot, right? Maybe it just slipped their mind, right? Or I can tell myself they didn't text me because they don't think about me, right? They didn't text me because I'm not important. They didn't text me because this other partner is more fun than me and they'd rather be hanging out with them than taking the time to text me. And those are all completely plausible stories that fit the same fact but the way that we're going to react, the way that we're going to take that conversation, the way things are going to go down is very, very different depending on which of those that we choose. And so it's it's really, really important not just to focus on the specific tools, right? But to really be aware of like how we think about our relationship, how we think about our partners, how we think about ourselves, like the stories we tell about ourselves. Like, you know, I, am I worthless, right? Am I like less than this person? Am I and and really be aware of those things and the way that those affect our relationships. And this is it's it's vitally vitally important and it's something that most people don't stop to think about. Thing number whatever it is because I let them set a number them. Four. Yeah, thing number 4 e right <laughs> is that we've we've really learned this year is what exactly it takes to fix a relationship that's broken. What it takes to turn a relationship around that is struggling that is facing challenges that has a long way to go, what it takes to heal that and get that to a place where things are amazing. And this is something again, that we kind of knew going into this year, but just purely because of the number of people that we have worked with this year, this has become very, very obvious to us. And there's, there's a couple things that really marks being able to turn that around. And one has to do with the kind of help that you seek. But what I want to talk about now is like there's two qualities, specific qualities that we've noticed about the people that the people in that relationship have to have if they want to be successful in turning things around. Go ahead, Cassie.
1: Well, it's something that I tell folks, you know, like we talk to folks all the time and they ask us about our programs and I'm like, cool, that's great. But if you don't have these qualities, it doesn't matter how much I help you. You're not going to succeed. And we don't want you. And, and I don't, I don't want to waste your time or my time, right? These are two things that you must have.
0: And we actually, because of this and because we've realized this and we've seen people this year with stuff, people ask us all the time to work with us and we tell them no, right? Because if we don't think that they match these two qualities, we don't want to work with them.
1: Yeah. So the first one is committed. And I always have to like stop and say, hold on, let me explain what committed means because we think committed and we think, oh, I'm going to stick with this person for the rest of my life, regardless of how it goes. We're going to be those two angry, grumpy old people sipping our tea and and not liking each other in our nineties. That is not what I mean by committed. I mean, committed to working on things, committed as, as the partner, to being the best partner you can be and building the healthiest, happiest relationships that you can. It's not about just staying with a partner and sticking through it being miserable. It's about being committed to being that that amazing partner, to doing the work, to making your relationships awesome.
0: I tell people to be committed to being the best partner they can be. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's the first part is committed and committed covers a lot of ground. (laughs) And the second part is people, we, we use the term coachable specifically when we're talking about coaching, but kind of the more general factor is, is being willing to do something different, being willing to make a change. There are people, and it blows my mind who their relationships are in the gutter and they go looking for, let's say they come talk to us who like, this is what we do. And we're like, hey, you're going to have to do A, B, and C. And they're like, yeah, but I don't want to, though. Or they want to start arguing if that's really what they should do. right? Seems like a lot of work. It seems like a lot. Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> yes, yes, that's part yeah. of it. Right? <laughs> and and those people go on to watch their relationships explode. Because the fact of the matter is, if you're in that position where your relationship is kind of on the brink, where you're fighting all the time, where you're worrying about breaking up, like what you're doing hasn't been... Working And if you're not willing to learn something new and do something different, you're going to continue down the path that you're on. That ability, that willingness to actually do something different, even if it's not maybe what you wanted to hear, even if it's not the easiest thing in the world, really sets people apart. So coachable and committed are the two things that we've seen quality-wise that the people who have those things and who get the right help can turn things around. So... The next one, and this this kind of plays off commitment, but it, it really shocks us how much commitment changes things this past year. This has been really surprising to us. We talk to an enormous amount of people about their relationships. And there's there's some people who we talk to, and we go, A, like these people really, really need help. B, we can help them. Like they have those two things that we can talk about, right? Like like they're coachable, they're committed. Those people we will sometimes offer to work with. It's, it's, it's some percentage, right? As long as we're sure of those things. We're sure that we're sure that they need the help and we're sure that we can get them the results and we're sure that they're going to do what they need to do. And what's been really, really interesting to us. So, so let, let me start here. So if we're offering people to work with us, they need our help badly because those are the people that we offer it to. And when we offer it to people, 99% of the time, they agree. They're like, yeah, we absolutely need this. Like, we absolutely need help. We absolutely need to make a change. Like, we're going to break up. This isn't going to work. What's really interesting is what happens from there. When it's time to, like, actually kind of put the rubber to the road and be like, okay, so we're actually going to do this. Like, we're going to, we're gonna you know, figure stuff out. We're going to come up with, the like, the money that it takes, the investment to get started, and we're going to sign up, and we're going to get going, and we're going to get this help that we need. And what's been so interesting to us over the last year is has been realizing that where people go from that point of being like, yep, I absolutely need this. This is something that I need to actually starting to do it almost has never has anything to do with resources, with the actual money that they have available and everything to do with how committed they are.
1: There's the folks who are like, I'm not going to do it. I, I can't do it. I can't I'm, afford it. I can't afford it. You know, I I don't have, you know, and, and when I say folks who can't afford it, I'm talking like I've talked to folks who are like government lawyers. Right. I spoke to one guy who was a government lawyer and his wife was in the medical field And like
0: he had just posted pictures of his four cars. Yes, that's
1: where I was going with it. He just posted pictures of his four cars on Facebook and they just brought like two like thoroughbred dogs they had shipped from another country. So, you know, it's, well, we can't do it. And really what it means is it has really nothing to do with I can't afford it. It has to do with that. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to me to put that into my relationship.
0: And we had somebody specifically actually say that to their partner. Which was, I think, a wake up call for that partner.
1: Yes, she said that she was happy to find out that that was where they ended up being. Right, was that he was like, you know, it's not worth it to me to put money into my, into this relationship.
0: And so we have people who very clearly can do it who have the resources who don't, right? And and I'll sometimes I'll be talking to these people because like sometimes we work with people who are who are really like have to work to figure it out, and like we'll help them through that, right? Like we'll we'll help them figure that out. And and I've had some people where I'm like, look, like. Uh, I could help you, but let's just be clear. You don't actually need the help, right? Like you, you just don't care enough to do this. And they're like, yeah, that's right. Right. And I'm like, okay, then let's, let's stop wasting both of our time. But then we have people, and this is what's amazing to us. The people who are really, really committed to their relationships, we have had people who we have never thought like would be able to figure that out, figure out how to get money figure out how to get started, how to get help. Who have done it and it's been astounding i talked to somebody a, a, a little while ago who like i almost didn't even like offer to work with because he was very clearly in a really bad financial situation like didn't know where his like electric bill was coming from and he's like oh no like this is important i'll figure it out and you i'll let you talk about some of our past clients and like how what yeah. they've, and like how they've kind of like gone on things
1: yeah, I mean we've had folks who, you know, who are on disability, right? Like folks who had injuries and could not work. We've had folks who have five, six kids and a one-income home because one partner has MS. We've had And not clients, a particularly
0: high income partner. Yeah.
1: And not a particularly high income partner, a partner who worked a, a bus driving job, right? So like we've had folks who are in all kinds of ranges. And really what it comes down to is it doesn't really matter, right? It doesn't matter if you're the lawyer or the bus driver. It really comes down to how committed you are.
0: Yeah, that's that's something that we've just been astounded at is, is how people who are committed, uh, how they manage to figure things out. That, that's one one more thing we've learned this year. The next thing that we've, we've learned this year is that most people are way more compatible than they think. I don't know how many people I've talked to Over the last year, uh, a lot of them who are clients now, right, who or or have been clients over the last year and and made amazing relationships, who have started from a place of like, we're just not compatible. Like we love each other, right? But we're just not compatible anymore. Like we we don't see it. We don't see a path forward here. And it's really interesting because what we've learned over the last year is that 90% of the time, don't get me wrong, sometimes you're not compatible. But 90% of the time when people say they're not compatible, the problem isn't actually that they're not compatible, right? The problem is that they're stuck in black and white thinking. And what does that look like? Well, black and white thinking looks like, I'm trying to think of a bigger example. We have smaller examples that we use a lot.
1: I'll use one from clients. Okay. I am a Christian and you are an atheist. And we cannot work through this because I am religious and you're not. Right. And the black and white thinking behind that is, well, I'm religious, you're not. How are we ever going to make things work? And some of these things require like creative solutions, like how do we handle holidays?
0: And I'll give another one from our personal lives, right, as, as far as a big thing, like relationship thing, um, which has been made somewhat of a moot point <laughs> at this point if you've been following us kids, right? Like we were in a position a couple years ago, like I'm kind of done with the kid thing. We have our son who I love a lot and I was good on that end. Cassie and Amanda still wanted kids, right? And that's a pretty big incompatibility. But, you know, we had come to the point of discussing, well, what if we adopt? What if we adopt an older kid? And And then how is there a way we could set the household up where that would work for everybody? So a lot of times when people think that they're incompatible... The problem isn't that they're incompatible, it's that they just haven't gotten creative enough. They're they're arguing like it's got to be this or this when there's 30 other options that neither person has thought of and when they they come to those other options either like on their own or you know they get some help because they can't see quite that far that they're actually able to make things work and have an amazing relationship when if they hadn't really stopped and realized that hey there's more options here they might have just broken up. That's thing G. I'm really starting to think we should have numbered these, but that's where we're at.
1: Five.
0: All right. (laughs) Cassie, what is the next thing we've learned this year that every poly person should know?
1: Yes. The importance of connection. Everybody wants it.
0: Everybody wants it.
1: So this one was actually more of a little bit of a shocker for me this year. We always knew that people want to feel loved and we know people want to improve their relationships. But we started really paying attention to a couple of questions. It was not really a survey, but while we were talking to folks, we jot some things down. And across the board,
0: every single person,
1: every single person that we talk to, the big thing they want in their relationships is connection. Whether it's I want more connection, I want the connection back. I want to feel a deeper connection. It's all about the connection.
0: And, you know, the thing is, is that people, as we go through relationships, we fall out of connection. We fall out of love. And we hear it phrased a lot of different ways. You know, we've lost the spark. We've fallen out of love. We feel like roommates, like we're not partners anymore. We're just roommates. That's a huge one that we hear constantly.
1: The new um, one is the parallel lives. Yeah. The thing. new
0: one we started hearing over the last couple of months. I don't know if it's like in vogue mm-hmm. somewhere in, in the poly world is, you know, we're living parallel lives. And the problem here there's a myth here that's a problem, which is people believe at the end of the day, the myth comes from the belief that this is out of control. This is out of your control. Either connection falls away naturally, like it's just how relationships go. It's the course. Or there's this thought that if, if the connection's not there, it's because it shouldn't be there, right? That, that's not something that you force. It's one of those kind of love is, is enough, love should be enough thing. Connection should just exist, and if it doesn't exist, well, it, it just shouldn't. That's kind of the myth that we've seen a lot over this last year.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, is that the truth is it's more about the unmet needs. And so when we're talking to folks, we ask them these questions like, what is it that's actually the thing that's making you feel that way? It's sort of those things where it's, we feel that we're unconnected and then we act like we're unconnected Yeah. versus working on figuring out what actually needs to be made to make that connection ongoing. Because really connection isn't something that's just a straight line, right? We go up and down as far as how connected we feel.
0: Yeah. And the thing is like connection, it's something that you can learn, right? It's not like this, this, you know, I say people talk about love, like it's this um, kind of vague formless word, right? Like that just kind of sits up here and it's, but, but that's in your control. That's a skill. Staying connected, staying like you're feeling in love It's a skill. And and when I talked about this previously a little earlier this year, I talked about it as kind of a meta skill. It's the skill of being able to do things like negotiate agreements and you know have people be heard and all these other things where people are getting their needs met. Because when people are getting their needs met, they feel connected. And the great news with that is if we have the skill, we put in the effort, we can rebuild a connection that's lost. And we can also, if we have that skill, keep a connection from disappearing in the first place. And folks, just again, some of these things that we're talking about, we actually haven't really talked about before. Some of these though, and this is one of them, we've actually talked about in great detail as stuff has come up for us over the last year. And we will post links later to these things so that if you're like, man, that really speaks to me, you can go back and you can really, really dive in. All right? This next one is something that we actually have not talked about anywhere yet Mm. to this point
1: we talked a bit to our clients no, about it.
0: No, well, we've talked quite a bit to our clients, so we haven't talked <laughs> yeah. about it anywhere outside of our coaching yeah. yet. Uh, so I'm a little excited about this to dive into this for a second. And this is this is what we kind of refer to as the tension between principle and progress. So let me tell you what I mean by this. So a lot of times we wind up in a situation where we're in a conversation that would be solvable, right? Like this is not that hard. There are options here that would work. This is something that we could sort out, right? But instead of sorting that out, this conversation gets hung up on principle. And the way that I define principle when I'm talking to our clients about this is when you're more worried about being right than coming to some kind of resolution that meets everybody's needs. And this is something that we all do a lot. One place that we see this a lot has to do with talking about how we, how we describe our relationships. Even thinking back to a conversation I had with people, like, like a couple of people over the last couple of weeks. An example is, is like primary or secondary, right? We see a lot of people get hung up on, well, this is our primary relationship. And you're like, well, I don't like the word primary. I don't believe in primary relationships. I don't think that's good poly. So this isn't our primary relationship. And I'm like, but this needs to be our primary relationship. I thought this was our primary relationship and that's what I need. And I won't be with somebody who won't be in a primary relationship. And you're like, well, okay. Like, I feel like we should role play this. Go ahead, Cassie.
1: Okay. Well, what I need is I need to have the majority of my time spent with my partner. No, no not
0: that yet. Okay. No, no, no. We're still, I'm oh, we're saying, still bickering? we're still bickering. I'm saying, oh, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I can't, I can't be with somebody who, who isn't, you know, I'm not their primary partner.
1: Well, morally speaking, I do not believe in 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 primaries and secondaries and tertiary relationships.
0: And I wouldn't want to be with somebody who, you know, who who, who thinks that, you know, you can slot partners into boxes like primary, right? Mm. And really, the conversation we're actually having is I'm not getting enough time. And that's something that we could sit down and fix. And now we're talking about breaking up over words. And it's ridiculous. And we all do it. So – that is something to really, really pay attention to. And if that is something that you find happening in your relationships, that's something that you really, really have to learn to move past. It's something that we've been working lately a lot with our clients on, like their specific situations, like how you actually overcome that when it comes up and find resolutions and get off of that bullshit. Next one, Cassie.
1: Okay. Decisiveness matters. This is one of my favorites and it's it's because it shows up in two ways and it's it's kind of been something that we've known was there. You know, this is, falls into one of those categories, but it shows up so blatantly, right? Like we've seen it in our breakthrough calls, right? It's the folks who are like, all right, we're ready to start right now, right? We're ready to do something different. We're ready to dive right in. Or
0: well, more of the people I think who are like, so, so again, you have to understand, like we only offer to work with folks who need it. And 90 again, 99 percent of the folks that we talk to who we say that to, they're like, yeah, we absolutely need this. But then folks diverge. Some people are like, we need this. Let's go. And those are the people that we work with and they fix their relationships and things are amazing. We work with other people who are like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, this this will definitely fix things. And, you know, I'll do it. But, you know, I, not right now. Like, you know, I, I want to think about this. And, you know, I like even though I know this will work, like I haven't actually looked at all my other options. So I'm going to go I'm going to go do that. Right. And I got really, things coming up. Yeah. Like I've got this thing coming up like, like, you know, in, 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 in December, you know, really, I'd rather wait till after that. Right. And then we'll get started on working on our relationships. And, you know, so some of you might know that, that last December we decided to conduct a little experiment and we went and we talked to people who we had been like, Hey, you need help. And they had been like, yeah, we need help. And then they had decided like to wait and put it off. And we like called those people back and we're like, Hey, how are you doing? And like, like, uh, you know, we, we, we did this for like our calls for a whole quarter and 80% of those people had broken up at that point. But then this year, like we've gone back and we haven't really done the the whole numbers thing again. But like what I can tell you is this year we have not talked to a single person who was like, oh, yeah, like I need to fix my relationships. Like it definitely needs this. But, you know, I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Like I want to I want to wait. I, you know, I, I really like this is something I, 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 I need to do, but like, I'll you know, for whatever reason, I'll not, not, not this minute. Like and look around and things. We haven't talked to a single one of those people. Cause we do follow up with our folks where they've been like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I, I went and, uh, you know, I, I actually, even though I didn't get started that day, I did wind up doing something and now things are great. Nobody. We haven't talked to a single person who, who has actually like not decided to do stuff and then decided to do stuff. And actually now like they're happy with where they're at.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's that making a choice. And the thing is, is that what we found is the folks who are decisive and can make decisions now are the people who make decisions. The ones who don't, well, they don't, right? They just don't get around to it. Because if you were going to make a decision, especially when it comes to something as important as your relationship, right? As something as important as trying to stay with your partner and work through things. If you can't make a decision about that now, you're probably the same person who isn't gonna make a decision a week from now or two weeks from now. And this and I said in the beginning that you know, this shows up in two ways. One of the other ways that we've seen this show up is in our clients, is that decisiveness. And it's been amazing to see the progress that our clients have made by making decisions and going with it. Through our programs, when we're working with folks, sometimes we're like, hey, there's this thing I want you to try. It may not be 100% the solution, but like, let's try it. And the ones who are like, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to do the thing are the ones that have progress. And maybe an option isn't like a long-term solution, right? Maybe it's a shorter term solution, but that decisiveness to do something is what does it. I'm going to tell a little tiny cat story, make it short because I know we're running short on time, but we had clients who literally One of their big poly problems was their poly cat problem. And the cats were getting on the nerves and there was all kinds of issues with the cats. And I, you know, I suggested to them, I said, hey, can we come up with a different scenario for the cats? And they were like, well, I don't know if in the long term this is going to work with moving the cats into the downstairs versus the upstairs. And the thing was this cat problem of the cats getting into things and getting into people's rooms and tearing things apart had been plaguing this relationship for a year. And the ability to just make a decision to change that, and they ended up having to tweak it, right? I'm not going to say that we came up with one one option for the cats and it fixed everything. But just doing that got them to stop arguing about the cats, got them to go forward. And then they were able to make other decisions and choices to now where... All poly folk in the house and the cats are living in unison. But the point is, is it was about making that decision, making the decision to take a choice and try something.
0: Yeah. People who can make decisions, make decisions. So the last part, which now I can say 10, even though it's <laughs> K, right? the last thing that we've really come to realize over over the last year, uh, something that we've seen pop up again and again and again with folks is the importance of having a plan. How important it is, like if you're if you're in a relationship that's struggling and you want to turn that around or even like you're, you know, like you, you just want to keep your relationship from, you know, keep it healthy and you know you're coming up on like a big transition and you want to make sure everything's great. Like how important it is to actually have a plan and how the folks who don't have a plan to do that, how that just doesn't work. And I'm going to let you tell your story. This is one of my favorite stories like not favorite in terms of like great things that's happened, but just like in terms of the absurdity of it.
1: I got to have a call with a guy that we will call Joe and he was talking to me about his wife and they were having issues in their polyamorous relationships and we were talking and he said, well, you know, we're going to a therapist and we have a plan. And I said, fantastic. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I I think that's a great thing. So what's the plan, Joe? And I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but Basically, what he told me was that his therapist decided that him and his wife should close their relationship. We're not going to get into the issues of breaking off relationships with people that you're already in relationships with, but okay. And that they should read 12 different books. And she had a whole list for them. And listen to three different podcasts, one of them being ours. That's how we ended up talking.
0: join a bunch of polyamory groups on Facebook.
1: Yeah, join a bunch of polyamorous groups on Facebook. And while they're going through all that... His wife would go to therapy uh, to work on challenges she was having at work because she was stressed out at work. And after a few months, his wife would start dating. And that at some point when she felt comfortable and Joe was happy, Joe could start dating.
0: My favorite part. No, I'm going to let you. Yeah, you had the conversation. No, go ahead. No.
1: And I said, okay. And before I could even ask a question, he said, yeah. And she came up with this after having us do some quizzes that she found in magazines. Like Cosmo. Like Cosmo. Needless to say, (laughs) that is not a plan, right? Read 12 different relationship books in different categories. Listen to three different podcasts. And like, guys, we do our podcast. I think our podcast is awesome. But like. That would not be necessarily the first thing I would tell somebody whose relationship is falling apart. That's
0: not apart. a plan. That's not it's a plan. It's a good podcast that yeah. you can get some great tips from. That's, <laughs> that's not that's, a plan. That's not a
1: plan, right? So, um, and, and, and the thing is, is that that isn't a plan. That's kind of throwing stuff at the wall and hoping something sticks and works. And hopefully two months down the line, after his wife starts to date, all things are well there wasn't a plan for actually working on the issues that even got them to call a therapist the the dealing with the emotions that were going on and the relationships that were falling apart but,
0: uh, yeah like at a minimum and and you know I, I i've been talking to people about this and about a plan like a plan should tell you where you're at where you're going to end up the steps you're going to take to get there and ideally a time frame you need at least the first three of those for it to even remotely qualify as a plan Really you should have four, too. you really should have have the time, right? Yeah. So, you know, and, and but but this is something that we've actually seen pop up a lot over the last year is the concept of like information versus a plan, right? You know, because we're we're in the day and age of like all the information, it's all out there, right? There's a billion things. Like you can go online and Google like how to do polyamory right now and, and I, I don't know. I should have done it, but like come up with There's some obscene number of results, right? But that, that, where people make a mistake is thinking that that gets them from A to B. And folks who, you know, are trying to transform their relationships, they really, really need a plan. So I do want to say if you are in that place and you're like, man, like, I, I, like, we do need a plan, like, stuff's difficult and, We've been trying to fix things and things haven't been working and, you know, we actually don't have, we don't know how we're going to get from A to B. We don't even know if it's possible to get from A to B. Set up a call with us. We will talk you through it. That is what we do and those calls are free, right? You can go to atouchoflavor.com forward slash call. So there is no reason if you're in a rough spot to go into 2020 thinking that reading 20 books and listening to three podcasts and joining a bunch of Facebook groups is a plan. Like, please At touchofflavor.com forward slash call, we will help you figure that out, okay? So, folks, those are the 10 things that every poly person should know that we learned in this last year. As I said, some of these things we haven't talked about before, some of these things we've actually gone into great detail on in different spots as those things have kind of come up for us and we've seen them. So... I will post those links or one of us will post those links in the notes for this and go ahead and take a look at that. And, you know, if if, if one of those things spoke to you specifically, like click through and, and and go into more detail. If it's something that we haven't gone into a huge amount of detail on and you're like, whoa, like reach out, like message us, email us, set up a call, something and let us work you through that. It has been great talking to everybody. And we thank you all for joining us. Have a fantastic new year. And thank you, everybody, for all the wonderful comments. We got some really cool, nice ones in here and about us helping people. And that warms our hearts. You guys are all fantastic. And we will see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box got a question about kink power exchange or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years this is the place to
0: ask it submit your question at com slash ask or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-T-O-F-1